Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. You know, I really believe that the first step of healthy sexuality is to get the right picture of what we're actually supposed to be building so that we know what progress and maturity even looks like. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast. So today's episode is a convergence of three of my favorite things. I love to talk about marriage. I love to talk about sex in marriage. And I love to talk with my friend, Julie Slattery. So today we get to do all three. Dr. Julie Slattery is a clinical psychologist, an author, and the co-founder of Authentic Intimacy. And in addition to speaking, she hosts the podcast, Java with Julie. She's the author of 12 books, including her newest, God, Sex, and Your Marriage. Her episode on marriage from earlier this year is one of my top episodes. So welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast, Julie. Thanks for having me. I feel the same way about just enjoying talking about you and uh, have enjoyed the friendship we've had over the decades now. I know. is it, It's been that long, hasn't it? It has. <laughs> and then we've watched our kids. You know, we were still actively parenting when we first met and now our kids have launched and mm-hmm. and now we're both working in the same space as our husbands. And so that's been uh, a neat transition for both of us. So yeah, I love it. And we, we do, we have similar passions. Yeah. And I feel like you're maybe like two years ahead of me on everything. So I'm always <laughs> like, okay, what's next, Jill? Tell me, give me, the, give me the scoop on what, what I need to do right now. <laughs> I love that. Well, we, we need friends like that, don't we? <laughs> we do. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I, I just absolutely love anything that you do, Julie. I trust it. Um, I love that you do the research. I love that you have committed your life to helping marriages, but also just to helping women understand their sexuality and for couples to have uh, a healthy understanding of this gift of sex. And so, you know, what are some of the, the places that as you have dug into this, as you've really committed your life to it, what are some of the pain points, some of the problems that you particularly are seeing in marriage? Mm. 
They are many and varied, uh, you know, <laughs> but I think we can categorize them. You have uh, situations that involve sexual integrity, whether it be pornography use, um, betrayal, um, that whole kind of cluster of struggle. Mm-hmm. You have trouble enjoying sex for one reason or another. It can be for the woman that she has no desire or sex is painful. Um, for the man, it can be the same thing. He has no desire for one reason or another. And that leads to kind of incompatible sexual desire often mm-hmm. where there's just ongoing conflict about whether or not we have sex, how often we have sex, and it just tears a couple apart. Um, and then you have, um, you know, just basic issues of shame, bringing the past yeah. into our marriage, uh, even resentment of, well, we're experiencing this because of what you did in the past or just the enemy just haunting us with our choices from the past and feeling like we can never get over it. I, I also just think we have a lot of wrong thinking related to sexuality. Our expectations mm-hmm. uh, are formed through pornography, they're formed through the secular culture, or in some cases, they're wrongly formed even through uh, messages that we might define as purity culture. And that has set people up for really not having a grasp of why God created sex for marriage and what a healthy sex life looks like. So, uh, so there's all kinds of issues that, that we navigate. Trauma, of course, is a piece of it. But, uh, but in general, I just f- feel like most married couples are like, we need help in this area. We don't yeah. even know where to start, uh, what, regardless of where the pain points are coming from. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, the, just this morning, I was working with a coaching client who um, came out of that purity culture and it was, uh, she was not prepared for, mm-hmm. for marriage and understanding beautiful gift of sex and just the mindset that had was really holding her back. So I definitely see that. And then the couples that we work with, we see that just so much misunderstanding, so much of how our past affects our present. I think we underestimate that. Don't you think, Julie, that we underestimate how much our past or our upbringing or our misunderstandings of things affect our present. Yeah, for sure. I think the average couple starts marriage, especially Christian couple thinking we are starting with a blank slate. Like this is a new relationship. Whatever happened in my past, I get to start over. And at one level, that's that's true. You're starting fresh in your marriage. It's day mm-hmm. one when you get married. But it's also not true in that your whole way of thinking about sexuality, your whole way of thinking about your body and what is intimacy, as I mentioned before, the impact of shame or trauma, you're bringing all of that into this new relationship. And to think that somehow that's not going to affect you is just naive. And I think sometimes you know, we maybe wrongly simplify what God's work in our life looks like because we believe, well, you know, we're new, we're new creations in Christ. The old things have passed away. All things have become new and we can start to believe, well, then that means my past shouldn't affect me, mm-hmm. but it does. And part of God's work in our life in Christ's sanctification is working through the past, how it affects yes. us uh, through the blood of Christ. Uh, and I really don't think there's, there's, a roadmap for a lot of people on how to navigate that. 
And, you know, one way mm-hmm. that I put it is the church focuses so much on sexual morality, what you should do and not do, what the rules are, but literally no focus on sexual maturity. In other words, how do we go from day one in our marriage to year 25 and say, wow, we have really matured in our sexual love. Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, and there's just no teaching on that or even challenge that God wants that to be our reality. I think there is a teaching on that. And that's your book. <laughs> well, that's that's why I wrote it. <laughs> we we always write the books we wish we had years ago. Isn't that true? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely is. So, oh, I love that, that there's not a, a, a perspective or a focus on sexual maturity. And mm-hmm. honestly, I even think emotional maturity yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can be married for 20 years and be in our forties and still operate relationally. Like we're 12. Yeah. Like we, we miss that maturity, um, that is needed. Um, but I love that, uh, that there is actual sexual maturity. Mm-hmm. So you say that, that sex is like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Talk about that. Boy, that's, uh, that's fun. And for those of you who hate jigsaw puzzles, you're like, great. You just ruined it for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing that everyone has at least done or attempted a jigsaw puzzle. But the way you do a puzzle is you, you look at the picture that you're meant to be creating, especially if it's a 5,000 piece puzzle or something like that, you literally can't complete it unless you know by context, this is where this piece fits by looking at the front of the puzzle box. And the reason I feel like sex is like a jigsaw puzzle is that it really is all these complicated pieces that we're trying to figure out. How do we put this together? How do we navigate this? And most of us, don't have a reference point of what we're actually working toward. And so we don't know what the picture is meant to look like on the front of the box, or even worse, we have the wrong picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, We learn through the media, we learn through pornography that sex is supposed to look like this. And when that doesn't happen, we have no frame of reference for, are we normal? What's wrong? How do we navigate these issues? And so, uh, you know, I really believe that the first step of healthy sexuality is to get the right picture of what we're actually supposed to be building so that we know what progress and maturity even looks like. Mm, I love that. So talk about what the right picture is. Can you give us some highlights of that? Yeah, uh, I'll give you one big idea. Mm -hmm. And then we can break it down into highlights because the big idea is hard to understand, I think, for most of us. But honestly, if we read the scripture, the picture of a great sex life is meant to be God's covenant love for his people. It's it's how God loves us with this very unique type of love, love called covenant love. And we can read the Old Testament and New Testament and see that sexuality and marriage are most often referenced in in light of this idea of how God loves his covenant people. For the Old Testament, it's how he loved the nation of Israel. And for the New Testament, we're told very specifically in Ephesians chapter 5 that the one flesh union of a husband and wife is really a mystery that reflects Christ's love for the church. Now, you're even looking at me with this puzzled look. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm listening. I'm just listening intently. (laughs) And you're you're not the only one. You know, you could have grown up in the church and you're like, 
what, what, How, what does that have anything to do with sex? Uh, but, and that's why we're so confused because we've grown up even in the church with a disconnect between our sexuality and the very reason why God created it. Uh, and so, you know, the, I started the book out by really explaining this, that everything God has created in the natural world has, he has created for the purpose of revealing himself, uh, everything. You cannot open the Bible and not see in every chapter a reference to something in the physical world that reveals something about who he is. And mm. when we read the Bible, we see that God created us as sexual people to reveal all the different aspects of what covenant love is. Um, and so the book is really about, all right, well, then what does that practically look like? And how does that become a guide for us as married couples of what maturation is meant to look like? Mm -hmm. So you say that there's four pillars of God's love. So right. talk about those four pillars and why they're important to us having the experience sexually that God's designed for us to have. Yeah. So uh, again, we're look, we're saying that God's love for us is the front of the puzzle box. That's going to yep. give us a reference point. And when we study God's love for us, even as we experience his love, uh, I, I really believe it boils down to these four pillars. Maybe somebody will come and challenge that or add a fifth one and that's okay. <laughs> but mm -hmm. in my experience of reading the scripture and walking with the Lord, Here's what defines his covenant love. Uh, so the first pillar is really a foundational one, which is faithfulness. Okay. Uh, the only reason I have a relationship with God and that I can trust him is because he's a faithful God. Uh, the word used over and over again in the Bible is this word has said, which means faithful love that you're, mm. you're not going to change God. I can count on you. And the scripture continues to give us these reassurances that God's going to be true to his word. That's his character. Mm -hmm. And every other aspect of love is impossible if you don't have faithfulness. And I would mm -hmm. say that same thing is true with sexual love. So often, Jill, we don't talk about faithfulness in the sexual relationship until it goes south. Uh, we, we save it for a special issue in a book. We don't really talk about it much in a conference, except for the people who we think need it. Mm -hmm. But in reality, we all need to grow in our faithfulness because faithfulness is not just, I'm not going to cheat on my spouse. It is, my heart is for you. I'm not going anywhere. And mm -hmm. that's the promise that Jesus gives us. Nothing can separate you from my love. I will be with you always. And so when we take that covenant of marriage we're pledging love with our character. And uh, and what I've learned is the most mm. important thing about your sex life is your character. If you don't have that character, if you're not building that faithfulness, it doesn't matter how many books you read, doesn't know how many positions you you know, all of, none of it matters. Uh, and so we really want to begin both in our relationship with God and in our sexual relationship with with emphasizing and learning what it is to become people of faithfulness. Oh, I love that. And that is, that is a personal responsibility. Like that's mm -hmm. a personal responsibility of what we bring to the marriage relationship. We need to bring faithfulness. Yeah. And we're not by nature faithful people. Like even if you mm -hmm. say, oh, my personality is to be loyal. Yeah, to some extent, but but we, by nature, are in it for ourselves. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, all of us have reached those those stretches of marriage where we might even say out loud, I didn't sign up for this. I If I had known that it was going to be this hard. Uh, and so we're, we're actually making a promise that we don't in and of ourselves have the ability to keep. And that's why discipleship is so key to developing that character of Christ's faithfulness over the years of marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's one of the pillars. What's another mm-hmm. one? Yeah. The second pillar is the pillar of intimate knowing. And if you think about our covenant with God, the whole reason we have a relationship with him is for intimate fellowship with him. He created us for fellowship and to be known deeply. And Jill, you've heard me talk before on this Hebrew word yada, which is the word that is often used for sexual intimacy or intimate knowing between a husband and wife but also used to describe the intimate knowing that God has with his people. And so if you have a relationship with God and you've known him for 10 years, but you can't say you know him more deeply today than you did 10 years ago, there's a problem Mm. because it's meant to be a journey of learning to know him and pursue him and be known by him. And the same is true in our sexual relationship. And again, this is something I think we totally miss in a lot of our teaching The purpose of sex is that you might know each other more intimately. And we, I think both in our spiritual relationship and in our sexual relationship, we confuse activity with intimacy. Yes. And just because you're having sex two or three times a week does not mean you're being sexually intimate. You can be married and just have sanctified hookups Mm -hmm. where, uh, Mm -hmm. where you have your own thoughts. He's got his thoughts you're not communicating, you're not working through uh, the conflict that might come up um, in your sexual relationship. And so the goal, one of that key pillars is, do we know each other more intimately now than we did a year ago? And sometimes, just like in a relationship with God, it's the valleys that actually draws us more into intimacy. It's when sex isn't working or we have a crisis where there's this invitation of what's going on in your heart and let's get some counseling and dig into this. Let me understand your perspective. And I know for you and Mark and for so many other couples, mm-hmm. it's the it's the the valley that really forged an intimacy that you never had even before a crisis. Absolutely. Um, so when we can start looking at you know, God works all things together for good, even that really hard time or even that journey of recovery can be used to build deeper intimacy. It's like you see him redeeming it. Yes. Yes. And oh, we've had a front row seat at watching that happen. But I think that what often happens is we get into the valleys and we get scared Mm -hmm. um, where we avoid it. Um, and again, that a lot of times goes back to our upbringing. Maybe we weren't taught how to have hard conversations. Maybe we weren't allowed to have hard conversations and to engage difficult uh, mm-hmm. subjects, right? That's um, true. Yeah. And, and it also, I feel like those times reveal the cracks in faithfulness. So mm-hmm. again, you can't endure through those hard seasons unless you both have that commitment and that, hey, I'm not going anywhere. You know, even when I see the ugly stuff, we're going to work through this. We're going to make it like we're not giving up. We're going to get the help we need. And so, uh, so they that's work again, together. They yes. do. Yeah, yes. they really do. 
Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. And I can see that. All right. Now what's number three? Yeah. Number three is one, again, I don't think we anticipate, but it's sacrificial love. So mm. if we look at our relationship with God, uh, the apex of his love for us was giving his son to die on the cross for us. A greater yeah. love has no one that he who lays his life down for his friend. And if God designed marriage and sexuality to be a reflection of, of his love for us, and if sacrificial love is such an essential part of the gospel, why are we surprised when our sexual relationship requires something from us? Yeah. Uh, you know, true love will always cost you something. Uh, but yet I feel like we've been told, even in church settings, that once you get married, you're going to have all your sexual needs and desires met. Uh, in in some sense, we even tell people that it's your right to demand that your sexual needs are met, which is really antithetical to the, again, the picture we're meant to be creating, which is God wants us to be great lovers. Mm-hmm. He wants us to love each other the way he loves us. Uh, and so again, the challenges like the differences between a husband and wife's sexual desire, uh, going through seasons where sex is not pleasant, it asks the question, you know, what does it look like to love my spouse in this season? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to to go through the counseling? Am I willing to persevere? Am I willing to forgive? Am I willing to lay down my needs temporarily so that I can meet the needs of my spouse? And when both the husband and wife have that perspective of growing in, in sexual love and sacrificial love, yes, the intimacy is so deep and rich. But again, I talk to people all the time who will just say they're thinking about getting a divorce because their spouse isn't meeting their sexual needs. And, uh, and they're missing the fact that uh, God wants to do something deeper than just give you a great orgasm every month. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he is about transforming our character um, through even the difficulties of sexuality and marriage. Yes. And boy, it's on those difficulties that that maturity that you talked about earlier is forged. Yep. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. is. You know, in our book, No More Perfect Marriages, we talk about eight God tools um, and they're the God tools that you need to use in your marriage. And recently, Mark and I added a ninth one. You know, this is the moment that you wish you could go back and add it to yeah. the book. <laughs> But we added a ninth one, and that is generosity. Mm-hmm. And and really, generosity and having that servant heart um, is a and sa- is is a part of sacrifice. It is. And I think oftentimes we think it should be fifty fifty, and or mm-hmm. it should be you know you're you're supposed to meet my needs, and and we get real selfish with it, and that's not what God calls us to do. He does call us to sacrifice. He does call us to be generous with one another. Yeah. And to be joyful givers. Um, you know, I think sometimes we feel so inadequate about what we can't give that we just, we don't give it all. But, you know, I think about the story of the widow's might, you know, that, she gave all that she had and she gave joyfully and that so pleased the Lord. And I feel like that's true in our marriage. Uh, you may not have the perfect body. None of us do. You may not have the perfect past. Maybe you have significant limitations physically or emotionally, uh, mm-hmm. but you can say, 
I want to give all that I have um, to, to bless my spouse, not out of duty or obligation, but out of love, because I want to have the same kind of heart in marriage that Jesus has towards me. Yes. Oh, and it is, it is so the condition of our heart, you know, during our dark season, what God really did in my heart is that maturity. Like I Mm -hmm. realized I didn't know how to love at a mature level. And even in first Corinthians 13, I think it's verse 11 that says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. Mm-hmm. And boy, when it comes to love and faithfulness and sacrifice, it's like God's calling us. And so what you're saying is he's using our sexual relationship and he's using that to help us give up our childish ways. Very true. Yeah. And it's not just for the person who doesn't want to have sex and says, okay, I want to meet my spouse's needs or desires. It's for both. And I feel like this is kind of where we've gotten some unbalanced teaching in the church. When we look at first Corinthians chapter seven, uh, verses one through five, this is often translated as, uh, let's say stereotypically, um, this is not always the case, but stereotypically a wife isn't interested in sex or husband wants sex. And she's told by the church or by the pastor, you have to give him sex. And when we really look at that passage, particularly in light of the whole of scripture, Paul is telling both the husband and the wife to minister to each other in this very mm. important area of sexuality. Yeah. So, uh, so what does it look like for the higher desire person to say, Lord, help me, <laughs> like, help me, help me steward my sexuality in a way that doesn't place demand on my spouse uh, mm. that really nurtures his or her sexuality instead of uh, being making it all about me. Uh, and when, again, a husband and wife both have that perspective, it's not just even about their sex life now. They really are becoming more like, like Jesus, which is the ultimate goal of what God wants to do in our lives. It is. That's the ultimate maturity. Uh, it is. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've covered three. What's the fourth one? Yeah. The fourth one is passionate celebration. And mm-hmm. again, if we look at the front of the puzzle box, uh, have you ever known a Christian that like follows all the rules and goes to church, but has no joy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like the worst testimony for Christianity, right? <laughs> it's like the sour person who's always complaining and and. Honestly, like that person isn't a full reflection of God's work in our life. You know, how many times in the Old Testament and new are we told to praise the Lord with all of our heart, to be joyful in all seasons, Mm -hmm. to celebrate, uh, you know, all the times that we're told in the Old Testament just to have a party and celebrate our love for God in different ways. When you think about even our weekend gatherings of worship and communion, mm-hmm. these are ways that the bride of Christ, the church gathers for really no other reason than to celebrate our love for God and to rejoice in him, to sing songs to him, uh, to enjoy his presence. And uh, that's an, a very important part of covenant. We celebrate all the things that go into covenant love. And the same thing is true with sex. God made sex to be pleasurable. He made it to be erotic. He created 
the orgasm. That was his idea. Mm -hmm. He made it to be ecstatic. And it's the pleasure isn't the center of our sexual relationship, but it needs to be a part of it, that there is Mm -hmm. a regular time to stop and to say with our bodies, we remember and celebrate our covenant vows to each other. And we can have fun doing that. We can laugh doing that. Sometimes it can be a solemn, worshipful thing where we thank God for our love for each other, but it's meant to be something we enjoy. And so, uh, you know, people will struggle with this, this pillar of passionate celebration, partly because the world has so hijacked sexual pleasure Mm -hmm. and they'll say, well, how do I know it's okay? Like how, how far is too far? And what I love about God's love is those other three pillars really give us the parameters of keeping the fullest Mm -hmm. of pleasure safe. If your marriage is faithful, if you are on a journey of intimate knowing, if you both have the attitude of wanting to bless each other, then your pursuit of pleasure together is always going to be uh, a blessing. It's always going to be safe. It's always going to honor each other and honor God. Oh, what a picture. I love that. I love that. And I love how they all work together. Thank you for sharing that. That is, that's a really powerful picture. Thanks for letting me share it. Absolutely. So one of the things I like to do, Julie, is I never like to stay uh, just with the principles. I like to move to the practical. So can we just talk before we kind of bring things to a close here? Can we talk about some practical steps that a couple can take to move towards intimacy? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, here's some practical things. I think, first of all, um, I think for some couples, and I'm going to say this very carefully, I think that there's a time where they need to stop being sexually active so that they can work on sexual intimacy. And what I mean by that is a lot of couples will get into this routine of, um, they're not really not into sex, but they feel like, okay, this is something we should be doing. Or one person is always the one who's nudging for it and they don't have time. So it's just kind of like, all right, let's get this done. Let's check the box. And what they're doing, particularly if that kind of pattern is going on for years, is they're neglecting intimacy. Okay. But what if they said, you know, like even for a couple weeks time, what if we didn't have sex? but we plan time um, to kiss and passionately mm. and to touch each other, uh, even sexually. But the goal isn't intercourse and it's not orgasm. It's to communicate. What do you like? Let, let, let's learn about each other. Uh, let's pray together about our sex life. What I've found in working with couples is even those who've been married for 25, 30 years and have been sexually active during that whole time, they will actually feel incredibly vulnerable to do some of the things that I'm suggesting. It's, Mm -hmm. it's almost, and for some of them, it's too intimate to get on their knees together and to pray that God would bless their sexuality, bless their sex life, or to have conversations like, um, tell me what sex means to you. What do you most like? What are some of your favorite memories um, from our sexual relationship? How do you like me to initiate sex? 
how would you like me to respond if I'm not in the mood, right? When you initiate sex, what does that feel like for you? Mm-hmm. And, and so these kinds of exercises and conversations, couples will find are going way, way deeper, more intimate than the patterns they've fallen into. Uh, and there are a number of those kinds of ideas in the book or in other Christian books that you might get by like um, Cliff and Joyce Penner or Doug Rosenau, who really work on this aspect of intimacy and not just activity. Um, so I, w- I would say those are a few ideas of how, again, we need to sometimes stop and evaluate and say, we're really missing out on the fullness of what God designed mm-hmm. our sex life to be. Right. And, uh, and we want to start, we want to start experiencing more and God yeah. has designed it for more. Right. Oh, I love that. Now I've got a, I've got a question though, for the person listening, that's like, that's, a, that's a crazy idea because you're getting the engine started Yeah, and then you're not going somewhere. Yeah. What would you say to that? Yeah, I would say, first of all, if you're getting both engines started, that's great. So it's not a rule that we can't have intercourse, but uh, but it, it's really, for some couples, it needs to be a rule that we can't have intercourse. Like, for example, if you are in a pattern of any kind of sex that feels manipulative and you're working with a sex therapist, you know, they will tell you, like, here's what we want you to do. We want you to go for a few weeks again, with enjoying sexual touching and listening to each other and -hmm. giving each other permission. Mm -hmm. And what is it like to communicate at that level? Um, And, and so it's not again, that you're sinning by having intercourse, but it's, you're, you're missing, you're speeding through all these different ways that you could be communicating and learning about each other. So then when you do have intercourse, again, it's not just about performance. It's not just about checking a box. It's not just about the orgasm. It's about the journey. Uh, and so again, you have to have that bigger picture of what you're actually working towards. Yeah. You have to, you have to recognize what your goal is. And I think when it's sexual activity, your goal is orgasm, right? When it is sexual intimacy, your goal is connection, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's changing that goal maybe for just a little while so that you actually are experiencing connection. Yeah. And there are a lot of people, particularly men who have never experienced sex apart from that goal. And so Mm -hmm. they don't even know, well, what would the purpose be? Like you're saying, you're getting the engine started, like for what purpose? And realizing that there's actually another purpose in why God gave you the gift of sexuality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not again, that intercourse orgasm is wrong, but if that's the only way you can see this gift, then you're really missing out on the fullness of what God wants you to have together. Yeah. You know, I once heard a definition of intimacy as into me see, Mm -hmm. and that really is what you're talking about here too, is having some conversations that help you to see into each other's hearts mm-hmm. and, and to share that at a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. And some people are like, wow, that sounds great. But how in the world, like that's, that's like a huge step for us. And uh, one of the things that Mike and I have done throughout our marriage that has been really helpful is to get a good book on sex and marriage and read it out loud to each other. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that 
even mm-hmm. better than listening to it on Audible or something, because you're practicing saying words that you're not used to saying together. Yeah. But you're not coming up with the words. You're reading what somebody else has written. And then you can stop and say, well, what did you think about that page? Do you think that applies to us? Have you ever felt that way? And that was a great baby step for us when we were first learning to have these kinds of conversations. Yes, yes. Mark and I have done exactly the same thing. And I love that. It takes us forever to get through a book when we read it aloud like that, because we're stopping and talking so much along the way. And so there have been times that, you know, we've done that with a book, but it's taken us nine months to a year to get through a book. But we are having much deeper conversations because of that. Yeah. And again, the goal isn't to finish the book. The the goal is that the author's words are giving you tools um, to have your own conversations and learn about one another, which is a great thing. It is. It is. You know, it's making me think, um, I'll make sure for those of you that are listening that I put this in the show notes, but, uh, in our no more perfect marriages date night program, we give a once a month, uh, we call it design a date. And one of them is called let's talk about sex. And so I will go ahead and make sure and drop that into the show notes. It'll get you started. You can even add some of the questions that Julie just mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, into that conversation as well. But if, if you just need a, a place to start, I'll make sure and put that in um, the show notes. Great. Julie, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you. Um, tell us uh, where people can find you. What are other resources that Authentic Intimacy offers? Where can they connect with you? Uh, just what would the next steps be? Yeah, you can find uh, everything we're doing at Authentic Intimacy at our website, AuthenticIntimacy.com. And you'll find um, a number of different books around areas around sexuality. So some marriage, some singleness, um, some healing. But we also have online book studies that are that run each quarter. So if you wanted to go through a book like this or some of our other resources on Zoom with a group of other couples or other women, um, we have that available just as a discipleship tool. We have the Job with Julie podcast. And we have a, a big conference we're excited about October 14th and 15th here where I live in Cleveland, Ohio, that is really going to be going through um, some of the main content of this book, God, Sex, and Your Marriage. So that could be a great marriage getaway for uh, married couples who want to start having these kinds of conversations. So is that that's a couples event? You know, it there's singles that are going to come to the, okay. it is reclaiming God's design for sex and marriage. So it will okay. be about marriage and sexuality, but we're not limiting it to couples. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll make sure and put links to all of that. We'll put links to the book, God, Sex, and Your Marriage in the show notes as well. And uh, check out Julie's podcast. And I will link also, we're going to have lots of links in the show notes, um, but to the episode that Julie and I did earlier this year, I think it was like the first episode of 2022 when we did it. uh, And it was on finding the hero in your husband. And it was an excellent conversation. So I will make sure that I link that as well. Uh, Julie, so good. Would you be willing to um, pray for our our listeners and just next steps they can take as they process this for their life? I would love to. 
Lord, I thank you that you have given us a roadmap of how to surrender our sexuality to you, how to experience healing and redemption. Um, Lord, we thank you for this gift, but we also acknowledge that for many of us, it has felt more like a curse than a gift because of the ways that the enemy has used it against us. And Lord, I just pray for your healing and for your redemption for every Mm -hmm. woman and man that is listening uh, and just is crying out to you. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our counselor and that you can show us, each one of us, what our next step is, what it looks like um, to take a step towards healing and redemption. And I pray that you would make that clear as we ask you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.